I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Donating a deer can be very important and very helpful for people, but today I'm going to tell you how not to do it. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and bringing new insights to all hunters. I'm your host, George Kanitas, and today we are talking about how not to donate a deer. Now, this may sound like a joke, and I think there's going to be parts here that are a bit humorous, but it's also a serious subject because donating a deer is not this sort of random, might as well, cheeky kind of thing that some people, I think, make it out to be. It's a serious subject. It matters the deer that get donated. Those deer go to help people, they get processed, they go to food banks, they go to people that get very little fresh meat and protein in their diet. All right, I worked for a a significant period of time helping one of the many deer processing Uh, charity organizations that's out there in the U.S. uh, called Farmers and Hunters Feeding the Hungry. And we work with them for about a year and just help them in all aspects of, you know, understanding their business and how to reach and talk to people about what they do and how to get really, really deep into the business of what they do, how it works, all the moving parts and pieces Uh, One of the most amazing organizations that out there. Uh, There are several, though, that are very good in different states and various areas. Find out who's near you. They may or may not even be in your state. But I think every state, or at least every significant deer hunting state, has an organization that's comparable to farmers and hunters feeding the hungry. Maybe it's state-run, maybe it's a nonprofit. Whatever the case is, pretty much everybody in the deer hunting area has something like that available. The vast majority of hunters do. Let's just leave it to that. Now, what these organizations do is they take the meat and they distribute it usually to food banks. Sometimes more direct than that, they'll take it to soup kitchens and other kinds of places so that people who have food insecurities, people that are impoverished, people that are unable to get food are able to eat. All right, that's the bottom line. 
You've got hungry people that need food and they need to be able to eat. And so when we donate a deer, what's happening is you take that deer and you drop it off at the butcher and you say, hey, I'm gonna donate this one to farmers and hunters feeding the hungry or uh, hunters sharing the harvest or whatever your local organization is. And so then what usually happens, now every organization could be a little different, but what usually happens is that donors pay money to the butchers to cut up and process these deer, often at a discounted rate. And then that meat is then either taken by the butcher or by volunteers or some paid service and taken and distributed to the necessary food banks, soup kitchens, and other facilities to help feed people that are hungry, to help feed people that are homeless, to help feed people that need food. It's a very serious enterprise. And people donate real money to have this happen. Now, the hunters typically don't pay for it. That's covered by donors that don't hunt or just want to give above and beyond. So the hunter donates the deer, they donate their time, they donate the hunt and everything that goes into getting the deer. And then somebody else donates their money, could be local businesses, could be local churches. They donate the money to get the deer processed so that it can get into the hands of hungry people. And very often, the people that it's going to, they're living on stuff like rice. They're living on stuff like canned beans. They're living on non-perishables, often very low nutritional value, often very low protein. Um, You're talking about mac and cheese. You're talking about ramen noodles. You're talking about the cheapest of the cheap stuff that people tend to donate to food banks. All right. And um, it's very rare that they get meat. Very rare. Um, You know, it's just one of those kind of things where people don't really donate stuff that's expensive. And I would encourage you to change that trend. I know this episode's not going to do it all. But, uh, you know, me and my son were out this morning before recording this podcast episode. And we were at the Walmart, and I had to go pick up some ammo in order to go sporting clay shooting here uh, in the next week or two. Had to pick up a couple other things while we were there. And when we walked in, there were people outside of every entrance to Walmart from the local food bank with lists of things that the food bank needs and is low or out of um, in order to give to people. And so they're handing you a list whether you want it or not. And like, I'm there for an in and out mission. I took my list. I was going to throw it away. But then I was like, well, you know what? This is my local food bank. This is in part some of my responsibility. I've got my son with me today. So I asked him, hey, do you want to get some food for people that don't have food? I, I just took two minutes, told him the story. He's seven. He's like, sure. Yeah, let's do it. So we went down the list and we just went, you know, to the food section of the store and we just picked out a couple things, not a whole cart full of stuff, just a few things and, um, you know, some cereal, so a box of mac and cheese, some peanut butter, um, that may even have been it, just some of the things that were on the list. And so, but I, I made it a point to teach him a lesson while we were doing this. We did not go and buy the cheapest jar of peanut butter on the shelf. I refuse. We got 
the exact same type of peanut butter that we would buy and eat ourselves. We didn't go and buy the cheapest mac and cheese on the shelf. We got the, uh, the Annie's organic mac and cheese that costs like, I don't know, 20 cents more a box. We didn't go and get the cheapest great value brand cereal. We got the regular honey bunches of oats that we would buy and eat ourselves. And, you know, I made it a point to teach him that we don't do worse for other people than we would do for ourselves. You know, the scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. Not worse than yourself, not less as a lower standard person than yourself. So whatever we're going to eat, that's what we're going to donate. Whatever level we're at, that's what we're going to give. And so... We're not going to buy food for other people that we wouldn't eat ourselves. We're going to buy the same caliber or better of what we're going to eat to give to somebody else. And you might say, well, George, if you would have spent the same amount of money on the cheapest stuff, you could have got more stuff. You could have given more food and you can play those games and run those mental gymnastics. But the bottom line is I was going to get two jars of peanut butter a box of cereal, a box of mac and cheese, and a box of hamburger helper, and that's what I was going to get. Whether I got the cheapest one on the shelf or the most expensive one on the shelf, that's what we were getting, and that's what we were given. And so we got the exact same level of food that we would eat, same brands, same type, same products, and that's what we donated and gave to other people. The exact same philosophy should, in fact, even if not to a higher degree, go into donating a deer. All right. You know, if, if, if you half ruin your deer and you want to keep it, need it, well, you know, if you're cooking it and you're like, oh man, this, this part's terrible. You just throw it away, whatever, pull another part out of the freezer. You know, you, that's on you, whatever you want to do. But if somebody goes to the food bank to get their rations and they get, you know, two six-ounce pieces of venison, and that's all they get for the week for meat, and one of them's bad because you're irresponsible, well, that's a much bigger deal. That means a lot more to somebody. Uh, You know, I've heard that people wait in line for when the venison gets delivered to the food banks because they know there's going to be meat and they haven't had meat for their families for a long time. And, uh, you know, there's real situations and stories here. And very often the people that are receiving the meat, they're people that are not living 100 miles away from you. Very often it's people in, that are very close, that are in your town, they may be in your neighborhood, they may be your neighbor, but you don't know they're having problems. You don't know they lost their job. You don't know that there were retrenchments. You don't know that one of them got sick and they blew their entire life savings on treatment and they don't have enough money to pay the medical bills in their mortgage even though they still have their job and they don't have food for their kids. I heard one story uh, about a kid that was in elementary school, might even been middle school, 
Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores, and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And, you know, this kid was going to lunch, and... They'd take him in the lunch, and every now and then, he'd go into the, the cafeteria, and he would just start gorging on food. I mean, just made a scene of it. Just food everywhere, gorging. I mean, huge mess. And so the one day, they, they just picked him up out of the cafeteria, took him down to the principal's office. So he sat down with the principal. And the principal looks at this kid... And he says, now, what's going on with this? I hear you're making a scene. I hear all this is going on. Why is this happening? And the kid just starts to break down. He said, I'm sorry. He said, yesterday wasn't my turn to eat. Yeah. And what was going on is his parents, his family, didn't have enough food to feed all of their kids. So they had to take turns. And every couple days, one of the kids couldn't eat. And so he was having, he'd come into school then the day after they didn't have any food and he would gorge and it wasn't happening every day. It was just the days after he wasn't allowed to eat because there wasn't enough food at home. And they were living in a nice neighborhood. They had nice neighbors, but they had fallen on hard times. They had they were in a real situation and all at once the principal realized you know, he thought this was a discipline issue, but it's not. It was a bigger issue than that. And it was one that was mostly not the kid's fault. And they had to take other steps to, to try to deal with and, and help this kid and this family. And one of the ways that happens is through the meat that is donated by hunters. Through the deer that is donated by people just like you and me and that is used to feed people most of the time people that are in a difficult spot that are in a hard place that might not have food or might not have decent food otherwise and that venison is a really big treat for a lot of people 
you think about it. You're living on mac and cheese and ramen noodles and canned green beans and Cheetos. And you've not had chicken or beef or pork uh, for weeks or months. Or what little you've had has just been rationed out. And, and you've been giving it to your kids and not eating it yourself or whatever the case may be. And now October, November roll around and there is venison. There is real meat. High quality protein. Tastes good. Very nutritious. Uh, and you are craving it. And then you wait in line. You do whatever you have to do at the food bank, which is already embarrassing. You think about this now. What people are doing in order to wait in line, in order to get the food, and then they finally get it and bring it home, and it's garbage. And you know what? You, you just took somebody who, who you had the opportunity to help them, to cheer them up, and now the piece that they got was garbage because you're an idiot, because you're irresponsible. And there's just there's no excuse for that. There really isn't. Now, to be fair, I'm going to tell you some stories here about some hunters and some things that have happened. But the butchers, they know about these shenanigans. And they do their best to try to make sure that nothing that is, that is below the standard ever leaves their shop to go to these people. But not everything is in their control. And so I'm going to tell you here a couple different ways to not donate a deer. Way number one to not donate a deer is to shoot the deer at, at, at dusk, right as the sun's going down. And it's 75, 80 degrees outside on a, on a Saturday night and say, well, I'll come back tomorrow morning and look for that deer. And all right, Sunday afternoon rolls around. You're like, ah, I should probably go over. Let me get some other stuff done. It's Sunday evening. Yeah, I better head over there and look for that deer. Oh, wait, but hold on. I need to take care of this first. Uh, now it's Monday morning. Yeah, I really need to go get that deer, but I got to go to work. And now all right, as soon as I get off work, I'm going to go come home, get dinner. So, all right, now we're going over. Let's go find that deer. And so you come out, you go over, you go to track the deer, you find it after about 15, 20 minutes, there it is. You say, all right, great, we got the deer to go donate it. And so you're like, ah, the deer's not even bloated. This is perfect. It's still fresh. It's still in good shape. Let's load it into the truck. And uh, yeah, there's some kind of weird smells coming out of it, but uh, you know what? It's not even bloated. It's fine. Let's go ahead and get that to the butcher. All right, so let's dissect this now. That deer was outside at 75 degree temperatures for two days, for 48 hours. There's a reason why it's not bloated. It already bloated and deflated. All right, it's, people think because the deer's not bloated, it's safe. No, it's, it's, it, it's past the danger zone. All right, this thing is completely, totally, and utterly spoiled. It is an absolute disaster of an animal. Nothing on this deer is edible after 48 hours at 75 degrees. Nothing. It is a complete and total throwaway. 
you take it to the butcher and you tell them you're going to donate it, they're not going to know necessarily your shenanigans at that moment. Uh, even just, you know, you drag it up, they, they drag it inside, they may still not know. But here's what's going to happen. They're going to start to cut this thing up and they're going to know, oh, this deer is bad. This meat is bad. This is, this is disgusting. This is not safe. They're not allowed by law to send that food out for human consumption. And they got to pitch the whole thing. You might say, well, I went back a couple days later and got my antlers. Yeah, yeah, they probably did save the antlers for you. They're probably not going to chew you out just because they got to pick their battles. They don't want to fight every idiot because they know the people that do that are the idiots. They're the ones that are then going to turn around and get spitting mad and, and slander them and, and try to spread rumors about them and all this stuff. So whatever, they'll give you your antlers. And uh, probably not say anything to you. Another way you don't donate a deer is you shoot that deer, and then uh, you know the next day you find it half eaten by coyotes. You might say, well, you'll be able to sav salvage half of it and give that to the people. Yeah, once a carcass has been eaten by predator animals, even if only part of it's been eaten. The whole thing is contaminated with bacteria at a whole new level. If coyotes have eaten half the animal, the other half is only fit for consumption by those coyotes. All right? That is just, it's just unbelievable, the, some of the stuff that people do. And if you take that animal in, Depends on the butcher, depends on the day, depends on what kind of mood they're in. They may let you have it. All right. If they're polite and restrained and they've had a good day, they might just smile. And as soon as you pull out of the parking lot, they're throwing that thing in the dumpster. But they may let you have it. And they should. They should let you have it. Because that is horrible. Guys, here's what happens. All right. You shoot a deer. That deer, within four hours, is the window where everything is safe and perfect. All right? The longer you go past four hours, bad things begin to happen real fast. The temperature matters. All right? But people think, well, you know, it's freezing outside. It's, it's, it's 20 degrees Fahrenheit outside. We'll just let that deer sit until morning. You go get it. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Even if the outside of the deer froze solid, the inside of the deer is contaminated. All right? The, the, the guts in the animal will hold enough heat in the cavity of the animal for bacteria to grow, contaminate, and spoil the carcass. All right? It doesn't matter if it's only 18 degrees. Now, if you find the deer and you gut it and you pack it with snow and you leave it outside and the coyotes don't get it and it freezes solid, it may be okay. But with the guts in it and you leave it, it almost, it almost can't be cold enough for that to be safe. Now, I know a lot of people do it. A lot of people do it. A lot of YouTube channels show you doing it. Some of the biggest deer hunting YouTubers on the planet, people I have followed for years, 
their number one piece of advice is leave that animal overnight, come get it in the morning to make sure it doesn't run away. And you know what? There is a time and place to wait some, but, uh, and I've done whole episodes on the subject and, and don't think I'm opposed to waiting, but here's the thing. When your rule of thumb is to go get it in the morning, your rule of thumb is to spoil that carcass. Doesn't matter. I mean, if it's negative 30 out and the whole deer freezes solid within an hour, okay, it's probably going to be all right then. But very few hunters are hunting in conditions where it's cold enough to save the animal with the guts in it. You've got to get the guts out. All right. You do not have 24 to 48 hours. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Those guts need to get out of that animal fast, all right? The faster, the better. The best way to do it is to have the guts out of the animal within 30 minutes of it dying. That is the best case scenario. Now, I'm not trying to make the episode be about this, but here's what people do. They shoot a deer. They want the antlers. They don't want to pay for the antlers. So they're going to donate the deer because when you donate it, then somebody else pays for the processing and you get the antlers back. All right. And, and all kinds of ridiculous shenanigans happen because of that. People want their antlers and they're too lazy to cut them off themselves. And so they take the deer. And now some people, they are of the mind of, you know, here, you throw this away. They can't throw it away themselves. They feel too bad about throwing it away themselves. So they leave it to the butcher who's an expert to let them throw the deer away. Look, if there's even a thought in your mind that this deer is no longer good, yeah, why would you go and waste somebody else's money? All right? It's just, it's just not right. It's not the right thing to do. If you're not going to eat... Now, oh, I... I'm opening up a can of worms here. A lot of people have butchered their own deer and eaten deer that wasn't safe to eat. And depending on your digestive system and your stomach and your immune system, sometimes your body will just kill off the bacteria and it won't seemingly affect you. But somebody else, a child, uh, someone that's older, someone who's immune compromised, could eat the same contaminated meat that you're eating and choking down and it kill them or give them the stomach bug or it put them in the hospital or put them on the bathroom floor for two days and nights. 
just because you've eaten it and not had significant adverse effects doesn't mean that it's safe to eat or safe to donate. The deer that you donate should be better than the deer that you put on your own table. All right, because you are talking about the sustenance of other people. It's not just a delicacy to you to wrap it in bacon and cook it because it's special and it's fun and you kill it. It's what someone else is eating to survive and to survive in a particularly bad point in their lives. Another way to not donate a deer is roadkill. Again and again, I, everything I'm telling you guys, I have heard from butchers, okay? This is not me making stuff up. This is not me just reading stuff on the internet and regurgitating it to you. I have talked with butchers some at length about their life's work, all right, which is butchering animals. And the information I'm feeding to you is the exact same that I've gotten from them. So roadkill deer. You do not donate roadkill deer. All right, here's the thing. When a deer is hit by a vehicle with enough trauma to kill it, which is actually pretty impressive because deer are very hardy creatures, a lot of that meat gets ruined. A lot of that meat is destroyed. All right, and now you take, it may look fine to you. You're like, oh, it's tenderized. No. Now, don't even say that in my hearing, all right? That is not what's going on here. When a deer gets hit by a vehicle at 50 mile an hour, it is not tenderized. The blunt force trauma is destroying the meat, all right? It's unedible. It's unsafe. The, 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 it, no, that is not tenderizing the animal. That is not what's going on there. And so what ends up happening is people have roadkill and half the deer is ruined. And then the other half takes more work than normal to salvage. So now you're making somebody else. You're making uh, another person, another hunter, a church, a local business. You're making them pay to have this deer butchered when only 40% of the regular yield is going to be useful meat. All right? That's what you're doing. You're robbing people when you do stupid stuff like that. All right? It's not okay. It's not... Most butchers won't even take it. They won't even take it. Like, no, get out of here. No, we're not doing that. It's not safe. It's not right. Often there's much more tragic damage than you might imagine. Now, say you hit the deer in the head and only the head somehow, and it's just head trauma. Probably most butchers are still not going to take it because they don't know. They don't know. You could just be making up stories, which is what most people do. They lie or they think it was just head trauma. They didn't realize that the deer got hit by an F-150 on the other side of the road got back up with half the bones in its body broken, walked into oncoming traffic on the other side of the road, all right, and uh, another vehicle, an SUV, hit it right in the head, all but took the head clean off, and they're like, oh, it's just a head injury, all the meat's fine. Yeah, you think, you think, you may genuinely think so, but the reality is not. And so whether you're lying and just making stuff up, or whether you just don't have all the information because you weren't there, you didn't see it all. 
Most butchers aren't going to take a roadkill animal anyway, and you ought not carry one there because you're robbing somebody to try to, to, to get a, a, a small fraction of this animal processed. And so this whole thing, guys, it's a big deal. It really is. I mean, you know, it is an honorable thing to donate a deer. The, you know, I, one story I remember hearing was uh, a guy was on his way to hunting camp. All right. He's driving, meet his buddies up at hunting camp. And they're, they're not going to go hunting. They're going to work on the land and prep it for hunting season. So they're having a, a weekend to just work on the farm, work on the land, get everything ready for hunting season. He's driving up there and uh, he sees a, uh, a woman pulled over on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere land while he was going up to hunting camp. So he pulls over to help her. This was some years ago, back when, you know, people still did pull over and help people. And, uh, you know, this wasn't some sort of nefarious intention. So he pulls over to, to try to help this woman. And he's like, do you have a, you know, her, her trunk is open. And she's standing next to the car looking off the side of the road. And he's like, you need some help her. Has your car broke down? She said, no. She says, somebody hit a deer and it ran off the road here and I'm trying to find it. And he was like, oh, that's that's a weird thing. Um, you know, that uh, she's like, well, are you going to help me or not? So he was like, oh, okay. So they walked through the, through the grass a little ways. They eventually found the deer, drug it back. And she starts trying to load it, or she starts trying to load it into her trunk. He said, "Well, no, hold on, hold on. You you can't just take the roadkill deer. You gotta you gotta call the police. You gotta get a roadkill tag, and um, you know you gotta go through the process." And she looked at the man, and she said, "I don't care. My kids are hungry." And he said, at that moment, he realized a whole bunch of things that he did not realize before. And she's loading this deer into her trunk. And he says, well, do you want me to, can I field dress it for you? She said, nah, I'll do it at the house. I've gotten pretty good at it since my husband left. And she's got like two or three kids in the back seat, little ones. And uh, she got in her car and drove away. And he's still standing there just watching her drive away. Just, just trying to piece this whole thing together about what just happened. And, uh, that same guy, he drove, finished the way to camp and uh, went to see his buddies at the camp and said, guys, I just looked into the eyes of Jesus. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he told her the story of this woman and, and what had happened. And, you know, she just got in the car, drove away. He doesn't know her name. He does have no way to contact her, has no way to help her. Her family's struggling. They're hungry. They took this roadkill animal. He said, we've got to do something about this. He said, in the, in the scripture, it says, as much as you've helped one of these ones that are hungry or sick or impoverished, and as much as you've helped them, you've helped me. And he realized right then that there were a lot of hungry people around and they had to do something about it. And that was the same guy that went on to start the organization Farmers and Hunters Feeding the Hungry. And, and they created the model that I just explained to you a couple minutes ago of how all this is done. And that spread nationally 
and many other organizations popped up in many other states adopting that model, but he started it. He was the guy that began the whole movement of having people donate money so that a butcher could donate a deer that a hunter donated and then have a system in place so that that meat could get to the people that need it. He started the whole thing. He started the whole movement. Prior to that, you could take a deer in and you could pay the butcher to to cut it up for somebody else, but you had to then pay it of your pocket. You had to find a way to get it to a food bank. You had to figure it all out yourself and very few people were doing that. He created this entire model and movement. And I got to work with his son and, and their organization, which is how I learned so many of these things. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. But guys, when it comes to donating a deer, it's a great thing to do. It really is. Uh, You know, if you're a big deer hunter, I would encourage you every season to get an extra tag or two. Get an extra tag or two. And then, you know, once you've filled your freezer, then go out, get another deer, fill somebody else's freezer. You know, find a one of these programs, whatever organization is closest to you. And I've heard story after story of kids that went out and uh, their first hunt ever, they're 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, their first hunt or it's their first deer and they shoot their first deer ever and they field dress it and it's a big time and uh, you know they look to their dad or whoever's with them and they say, hey, I want to donate this deer. He said, I want my first deer to go to feed other kids that don't have food. And I've heard story after story of parent or, or uncle or whoever, you know, just in tears at the truck that it's the kid's first animal, you know, their first successful hunt ever. And the first thing they want to do is give to help somebody else. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really an honorable thing. And it's not something that we should do lightly. And it's not something that we should do haphazardly. We should give our best. We should give the best that we can give. We should do the best that we can do. And, uh, you know, most of these organizations, they take donations. You can give money. All right. You, You don't have to give deer. But for most hunters, it's easier to give deer. You get in the deer season and you have a good season and you take a couple deer and uh, it's easy to give deer your, you, you know, you all, you've already got all your costs are sunk, right? You've already spent all the money for most hunters to take one deer, two deer is the difference between, you know, one bullet or broadhead. 
once they get to that point, right? All the, all, all the money's paid at that point. All the gear's bought, the spot, the work, the scouting, it's all done. If you take another deer to donate and give to somebody else, that's something that is, you know, it's just an honorable thing. It's a noble thing. It's worth doing. But we must be careful all right, you're trying to help somebody and you do something to put them further behind because you're cheap, because you're lazy, because you don't care. Uh, it's just, you're better off doing nothing than you are trying to, to, to do this the wrong way and donate an animal that's been half eaten by coyotes. Do you have any idea how much disease is in the mouth of a coyote? You know, people that get bit by these animals, they've got to get rabies shots. They got to get all kinds of shots. They're at all kinds of risk of serious, life-threatening, debilitating diseases. I mean, a lot of these animals, they're eating dead carcasses. They're eat they're scavengers. They're eating stuff you couldn't get close enough to to even touch it stinks so bad. And so they're going to eat half of this carcass. You know, that bacteria now is inside of the animal. It's spreading over the minutes and hours that ensue or the days until you finally find it and get it to the butcher. I mean, you just got to think. Like, well, I think I can save the front shoulders. Well, you know what? You shouldn't. But if you're going to, then you take those shoulders home and you eat those and you shoot another deer the right way, get that deer out of the woods quickly and you donate the good one. All right, you want to put yourself at risk by eating something unsafe, that's on you, but you donate the good deer that you take next week. All right, that's the way this thing needs to be. And, uh, you know, this episode got a lot more serious than I was expecting, quite honestly. I, I did not plan to go down the road quite like this, but here we are nonetheless. Uh, and I think it was... Uh, I think it needed to be said. Somebody needs to say it because it's not being talked about. The shenanigans are not being talked about. Most butchers just don't feel like starting fights with the people that do this stuff and bring them in. It's just not worth it. Just causes them more headaches and problems than they already had. They'd rather just pitch it and get rid of it and not have the fight with the person. But somebody ought to take you down a peg or two if you do something like this in the name of trying to help somebody else. Because most of the time, one, it's just being selfish. Two, it's just somebody trying to get their free antlers. Or three, it's somebody that's so oblivious to reality that they just need to get taken down a peg or two. So with that, what you guys need to do right now is take this information and you need to tell other people. You need to teach this stuff to other people. You could forward them this episode to listen to. Maybe some of them would listen to it. But they'll listen to you when you tell the story. They'll listen to you when you share the truth. They'll listen to you when you say, no, you're not taking that deer to donate. Are you crazy? They'll listen to you. Kids will listen to you. Young people will listen to you. You've got to get this message and this information out there. You've got to tell people. You've got to share. You've got to be an evangelist for this kind of thing. Not just to donate deer, but you ought to do that too. That, that message needs more evangelists, but also how to do it right and how not to do it. And you know what? 
for your own safety, there's a lot of deer you ought not eat, even if you recover them. You know, you just, you, you have to be mindful. You have to be careful. You've got to, you, you have to have higher standards for yourself, for your own safety, and then even higher standards for the safety of others. Now, some of you who are listening to this, you are probably, you know, meticulous when it comes to your venison. I mean, I did an episode uh, about 10 reasons why your deer tastes bad and uh, all the things that go into that. And some of you guys have commented on that and talked about how, you know, you're, you're top of your class and doing everything right to get the highest quality meat out of the woods, into the freezer and onto your table for the best possible experience. I appreciate you guys. I salute you. That's the same kind of diligence we need to put towards every deer that gets donated. So why don't you go ahead and head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review with a comment to help grow the show and reach more people. And I would really love to hear from you guys. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Go to the contact page. I read every message that comes in. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. And until next time, go get them in the woods.